money is only important to some extent if you can spend it and other people recognize it. So you're constantly pursuing other people's approval. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hi, Right Club Nation. Welcome back. Today is a special episode of the Mind Estate Podcast, where we don't necessarily focus on real estate investing, but we focus on mindset, on anything that you might need as an entrepreneur, an investor to complete your life. And today's guest is Greg Offner, who I've known for probably about 10 years. I mean, we've lost, lost touch for a little bit just because we live in uh, completely different cities, but him and I used to work together at uh, a sales company back in the day. And it's just amazing to see his progress and where he is today and everything that he's accomplished in between. But he shares some really awesome tips throughout the podcast. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to. But before we get to that, Laurel, my wonderful co-host, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for uh, everyone to listen to the uh, to the interview because Greg had some really, really good points. You're going to want to listen to to him when he talks about micro disruption and what does that mean, and and particularly listen to the whole the whole thing about dealing with a to do list because Sarah, it seems like every time I get on to co-host with I, like I'm the guinea pig. What what is it with that? Like. <laughs> I, <laughs> I get to be the guinea pig. So we went through my to-do list and he kept kept drilling me and, and <laughs> drilling me and like, okay, I'm really having to work here. <laughs> it was it was actually really cool because it's the stuff that I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> So thanks for having it on your to-do list and uh, for all of the work that you do for The Right Club because it does not go unnoticed. I mean, Laurel, you work hours on our club probably daily. And so thank you for everything that you do. We really appreciate it. I do. And you know what? I do it because I love to do it. And, and you, you'll, you'll hear talk, Greg talk about what you have to do, what you think you have to do. And I do a lot of, yes, I have to do it, but I love to do it too because I know it, it has a big benefit to everyone. Absolutely. So we are also launching our online division. So if you haven't checked it out yet, our online community, just amazing content, forums, the ability to watch webinars, to just be able to communicate with other investors coast to coast. Guys, check out our online community and let us know if you what you think of our online community, of our podcast, of this Mind Estate segment of the podcast. If you like it, if you don't like it, send us an email. Mine is sarah at therightclub.com or laurel. Is, it's laurel at therightclub.com. So what do you think, Laurel? Shall we, uh, shall we listen to the interview with Greg Offner? Uh, let's do it. All right. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So we go back probably 10 years, if I had to guess, or maybe a little bit less. And we both used to work for the same team when we were selling uniforms at Syntas. So it's really cool to see before the show we were saying, it's really cool to see where people were and where they are today. And I will say that you are super impressive. I've been following you on Instagram, on social media, and just your whole transformation. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> the whole transformation is unbelievable. And so I wanted to bring you in today as part of our mind estate segments because you have 
the mindset. You've gone through so many ups and downs and did something about it, changed your life. And I thought that was really inspiring. I was hoping that you might be able to share that with the audience. Sure. It is a very roundabout way that I got here. I went to university to be a music teacher and pretty quickly decided that that wasn't ultimately what was going to be the best choice for me. And when I graduated, I, I had no real direction. I had a, a degree in the super lucrative field of philosophy and psychology. So as you can imagine, I was beating the ladies off with sticks. And uh, no, I ate a lot of ramen noodles at that period of my life. And someone introduced me to this company called Cintas. They had an office two hours away from my home here in Philadelphia. They were hiring for this crazy service I never heard of before called paper shredding. Like, what was that? But I went on the interview because I was encouraged to. And ultimately, the guy offered me the job. And I thought, you know, sure. Was making great money at the time. Hit a lot of records, got promoted, wound up being brought up to Toronto where we met. And, you know, you have success in sales, you don't really leave. It's, it's a really great place to be when you're young, you don't know what you want to do, and you're making a good paycheck. But I still have this passion for music. And so I was kind of scratching that itch by working as a piano bar player and then ultimately a dueling piano bar player all over the world. I mean, at this point in my life, I'm 38, I've played, I'm 37, I've played on three continents in nine countries and in 15 U.S. states, two Canadian provinces. So I feel really lucky to have, to have that experience, and it's helped me scratch that performer itch. The unfortunate part of all of this is that I became unknowingly what they call a super user. So a super user is someone like a teacher or a politician that's just using their voice constantly. And so I would, you know, wake up in the morning and have all of my sales activities. And at night, I would play the piano. And the only break in between was for bourbon and cigarettes, which, as it turns out, is not an advisable thing to do to your voice. I mean, like, who knew? Except everyone ever in my life since I was a kid that told me that you're an idiot for smoking. So 2015, a bit after I'd left Canada, I was doing some gigs here in the U.S. musically. I was doing my work as an insurance broker. And I lost my voice totally lost it. And it took a lot of surgeries to get me to where I am now. In fact, 10 surgeries on my voice, two surgeries to totally rebuild my stomach because acid reflux was the main culprit of what destroyed my voice. And so it really got me to thinking, am I happy with what I, the impact I'm making in life? You know, clearly I've had a good financial run of things, but you know, do I feel like I'm actually making an impact? So I feel like what I do matters. And that's a big focus of my work is helping people unpack the difference between what's important and what matters. Because uh, we often confuse the two. So anyway, I lost my voice, had all these surgeries to sort of rebuild it. And after each surgery, you have to be totally silent for a week to two weeks, which my wife loved. But for me, it was difficult as a high communicator. And so the first week, you're kind of getting used to it. And by the second week, you're just bored out of your mind. So you have like a whiteboard that you're communicating with people. And so it was just difficult. By the eighth surgery, these kind of became sort of depressive episodes. I'm now getting my voice back, then another surgery, then I get my voice back, then another surgery, because there was so much damage. And so I thought, there has to be something more. There has to be something else that's calling to me than this cycle of depression, getting my voice built back up only so I can go and do something that I don't even know if I care about anymore. Like, I love the money, but I don't know if I even care about what I'm doing. And I met some folks that sort of steered me in the direction of attending personal development seminars. I think, you know, the most popular one on the market right now would be Tony Robbins but there's tons of others. And so I made a commitment first and foremost to continue to develop myself. So I've read nearly 52 books this year uh, as a challenge. I didn't think I'd get through 12, but that's a lot of fun. And then I made a commitment to go to different seminars, at least one a quarter. 
And about a year ago, I met a woman at a seminar as we were walking on the floor during one of the breaks. She heard my story and she said, dude, like, don't you get it? I don't know, get what? She's like, you can't see what I can see, but let me tell you what I see. I see a musician. I see a natural born entertainer. I see a salesperson. I see a leader. You put all those things together. You could be a very impactful coach, a keynote speaker. You could facilitate workshops. And all of a sudden I went, you know, I think that's the answer. And so that's sort of how I got here, uh, Sarah, is unintentionally, but now with great intention to make it move forward of saying, uh, I don't want to just have financial rewards in life. I actually want to create something that I'm proud of. And that's become my practice. That's sort of really... That your story really strikes a chord with me for a number of reasons. But one of the things you're saying about how much you know, the money doesn't, yeah, like you're right, the money is great because it, it greases the wheels, it makes it makes your lives very comfortable. But if that's all you're doing, it, if you're just doing it for the money, that's it just destroys you, it's soul destroying. And because one of the things that I, I talk about a lot, especially at the right club, but with anyone who, who talks to me, it's like. What's your why? Why are you doing this? Because if it's just for the money, go do something else. You know, go to McDonald's and get a job, whatever it is. But your why is so critically important because that's what keeps you going, right? That's what gets you up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, um, a Canadian philosopher by the name of Jim Carrey <laughs> who, uh, who said, you can fail at things you don't care about too. So you may as well do something that you're passionate about. And that struck a chord with me for many reasons, right? How many of us do things that we consider to be important, but at the end of the day, we don't really feel like they matter. And how many of us don't do things that matter, even though we know they're important, like taking care of our health? I mean, if all you're doing is chasing money, you're, you're on this thing that's called the hedonic treadmill, right? And you adapt to it very quickly. So if you're used to making $25,000 a year, all of a sudden you make 50, that feels amazing. You've just doubled your income. But in about four months, that's going to feel commonplace and it won't have that same impact on you. And then you make a hundred and you make 200 or you make a million and that's never going to satisfy you. You know, we look around money. It's, it's never going to be enough money. It's like being on drugs. Right? It's really like being on drugs, being addicted. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That is really interesting because a lot of people say, I want to get into real estate because I want money. But the big question is why? There's usually a reason behind it. I mean, it could be the freedom to do what you want when you want. It could be something that you want to do for your family. So what is your big why? What is the reason that you are here today doing what you're doing? I love that question. So I'm doing what I'm doing so that I can do what I want, when I want, where I want, with whomever I want, however I want to do it. And that's a, that, that's a big why, right? It's a lot. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I, I sort of, I stole that why from Tony Robbins, right? That's his definition of success. Because my definition of success used to be more commas in my bank account. And to Laurel's point, it was like a drug. It was never enough. It wasn't fulfilling because money is only important to some extent if you can spend it and other people recognize it. So you're constantly pursuing other people's approval. And when you do things solely for other people's approval, you're never really fulfilled deep inside, right? On the surface, you may get a smile on your face and you may get a big chest and feel good about yourself. But at the end of the day, when you're lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, it doesn't feel very good. So my why was to give me a little more personal freedom. I had been sort of dictated to by the companies that I worked for. 
I read a book by a man named Marshall Goldsmith. Think of the book's name, uh, titled in, in just a second, Nonviolent Communication. Uh, is the name of the book. It's a phenomenal book. Uh, and in one, part he t- in one part, he talks about he was working for this psychology office, and they made him do these reports after he saw clients. And the reports took quite a lot of time, and in his mind, provided zero value for him as the therapist and zero value for his clients. So he went to his boss, and he said, hey, boss, I don't understand why we're doing these. Can you help Help me understand. And it's possible well, you do them because we tell you to do them. He said, yeah, you know, I, I get that. But what's the impact that these are supposed to have? What, what's the why? And he goes, there is no why. You just do it. Part of what you have to do. It didn't sit well with him. And so he started on this psychological process of analyzing exactly what his business, what this company did and what he did for it. And what he found at the end of the day was that apart from giving him a paycheck, it really didn't do a whole lot that he couldn't replicate on his own. And that book, that, that story was the catalyst for me to look at what I was doing for these businesses, giving my voice, giving my life, giving my time, being accountable to lots of other people. We can talk about accountability later. But I looked at that and I thought, you know, what are they doing for me? Because if you talk to anybody that's well off, they'll tell you money's out there. Money doesn't just appear or disappear. Money only transfers, right? We don't create money. We don't lose money. It just goes somewhere else. So it's out there. It was mine to find. Then the question became, do I... Can I offer things of value to get that money? And I'm lucky to come from a sales background because that's the number one stumbling block for most entrepreneurs out there. They're great practitioners, they're great idea people, they're resilient as hell, but they don't pick up the phone. So many people can build a successful business without any knowledge. All they have to do is pick up the phone. Someone will buy, right? And then leverage that opportunity. So for me, that book was so powerful and that opened the door for me to be here and do what I do which is the opportunity to work where I want, when I want, how I want, with whomever I want. That is really cool. So what does that look like? So for those of us listening and we're wondering, what is it that you do now, day to day, now that you have the ability to have that freedom? Yeah. So a lot of it's business development. I mean, you never stop, right? We talked about, I mentioned accountability earlier, and I was having a conversation with another friend of mine that's an entrepreneur, and I said, do you know what I don't miss? I don't miss some sales manager or some VP calling me and asking me to go through my pipeline and then making me feel like crap because of something that's not going my way or something that's not going on. I mean, I've been in this long enough to hold myself accountable. Like I'm probably my own toughest critic. I think every entrepreneur would probably share that trait that they they are their their toughest critic. And one of the things that we have to develop as a skill if we're, if we're going to really sustain our business is the ability to be kinder with ourselves, still hold ourselves accountable, but not beat ourselves up and take ourselves down a peg like we're prone to do when we have a rough week or a rough month. So most of my day is spent doing biz dev in one form or another, whether that's establishing a presence on social media, creating thought leadership through that presence, attending events and being visible, a lot of outreach. I mean, so much of it is outreach, right? It's just, it's just being there. I think the part that I didn't anticipate uh, was all the back office stuff. Like, Everything that went into creating a website and building marketing material, like the, the pop-up thing you've got behind you, Sarah, I mean, someone has to design that. And typically it's us. We, and, and we don't think about that when we work for another business because it's just there. You need a proposal? Oh, yeah, it's in this folder here. Well, we have to create that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? I feel like we're all, I think that's what I was actually going to ask you about because um, that, and that's, that's really true. That's one thing that I talked to real estate investors about people who are trying to build their businesses is that yeah, it's great to be an entrepreneur. It's great to have ideas, but man, you better have a, have a, a, 
a system behind you and people behind you to support you because the entrepreneur is great with the ideas and all the rest of it moving forward, but it's the implementation of those ideas. Like you said, doing the website and the graphic design and all this, the marketing stuff. Like we're only, if, you, if you're out there by yourself, you're only one person. You can't do it at all. You cannot possibly do it. Mm -hmm. And if you try, you either, well, you, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say you fail, but not everything works very well, right? Or you get really sick and burnt out. Yeah, I, I, would, I would gently disagree and say that you can't do it all. I think you don't have to do it all, but for many entrepreneurs in the beginning, you have to figure it out. Like I've designed my own website because it was $10,000 generally anywhere I looked for a website. It's funny, when you start a business, everybody, there's a line out the door of people that have stuff they want to do for you. And generally it always costs $10,000. That's what <laughs> I found. So, you know, I, I had to build my website. It's not the final website. And I do have a list of priorities of things that I want to push off my plate, Laurel. So you're absolutely right in that you can't, continue to do it all, you know, but to your point about execution, just to underscore that you can have the best laid plans, but look left, look right. There's nobody going to do it for you. You have got to take the initiative and at least get it done. One of my friends, his name is John Acuff. If you've never seen him speak, he's got a ton of videos online. He talks about done is better. Done is better. We have this tendency to want to do it perfect. We have the tendency to want to get it just right. And that's what keeps people from writing books. It's what keeps people from starting podcasts. It's what keeps people from starting businesses. Just get it done. Done is better. And that's a mantra that I often have to repeat to myself and that I, when I work with a lot of my clients that we spend a lot of time talking about because it's easy. A good example is with fitness. You take someone that's not into, into fitness, right? Maybe that has an aversion to, to fitness and ask them what steps are involved to go to the gym and get a workout. Okay. Laurel, here's the answer you'll probably get. Oh, well, I've got to find time. And once I find time, I really have to decide what gym I want to go to. Cause there is one down the street, but they're all lifting heavy. And then there's another one, but it's a whole bunch of beach babes. And I don't want to go there. And then, I mean, I don't know what I wear. Cause some of my clothes are crusty and my sneakers are too old. I don't have the right arch support. Then I have to go and there could be traffic. So I'm going to get there at the right time. But then my kids, and it's just on and on. And now you ask somebody that likes to go to the gym. I just put my clothes on and I go. Yes. It's simple. Yes, it's you know, complexity is the enemy here. And simplicity is what we should go for. So one of the things that I have happened to me on a regular basis is I will be sitting at my desk and my brain starts attacking me with hundreds of things that I have to do, that I have to do, right? And I just get so flustered. And part of my coaching practice is a philosophy called axiogenics. I'm a certified axiogenics practitioner. And what axiogenics is, it's, it's the study of how we think. And it talks about net value. And so the central question in axiogenics is, what decision can I make or what action can I take now in this moment to create the greatest net value? There's another philosopher named Greg McKeon. He writes a lot and talks a lot on essentialism. And, and basically, it's uh, like Simon Sinek, I guess, sort of, it's like the one thing. What's the one thing you could do right now that's going to change everything? And for most entrepreneurs, it's business development. And so that's back to Sarah's question. That's where I spend the crux of my time right now as I, as I grow and build this business is on biz dev. And then, Laurel, to your point, as soon as the revenue builds and builds and builds, then I start to parse off the stuff that, that where I'm not a value add. And the first thing to go, I think, would be web development and marketing material creation off to somebody else. I'm the best salesperson of what I do. So that's where I have to keep my time. Yeah, you, you've got tons of great pieces of information that you shared. I really like the 
done is better. And then that ties in because a lot of our listeners are investors or people wanting to get into real estate investing. And that ties into the analysis paralysis piece of people just overanalyzing, trying to make sure that they have like that perfect property, that perfect deal that they just spend years and years and years before they actually do anything. And that decent property mm -hmm. they've missed out. And five years later, it could be a great property. And that reminds me of that perfectionist, a person looking to have everything perfect or for that perfect deal. And really ultimately it, it doesn't come around. There's no such thing as that perfect deal. And if there was, I'll tell you, it is not going to go to somebody that hasn't bought anything yet. It's going to go to somebody that's probably buying mm -hmm. tons of stuff all the time because it'll go to them and they'll be faster to react on that piece of property. So I thought that was really cool. It ties written really well to a lot of the emails that I get from people saying, I really want to get into real estate. I'm just analyzing and I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. So I thought that was great, great insight. Thanks for sharing. There's a great speaker out there whose name escapes me right now. Art something. I'll come back. I'll look it up. But he's got this speech that he did for the, let's say it's the National Association of Broadcasters or something. It's, it's many years ago. Art William. And, and the title is just do it. So I had a LinkedIn piece that I wrote about, if you remember the movie Boiler Room, it's, it's a bit of a dated movie now, but it was Ben Affleck was in it. And one of the speeches he gives was act as if, right? You're going to be calling people to make million dollar transactions. You've never even seen a thousand dollars in your bank account. Act as if. You want to be a leader, go lead. No one's ever going to anoint you a leader and say, poof, Sarah's a leader now. You just start doing it and you become a leader. You want to become an investor? Nobody's going to show up and give you a t-shirt and a badge that's a certified investor. Just go invest. Lose some money. I mean, people follow your guidance. They're probably not going to lose money if they would just cavalier on their own, but you got to jump in. Like the best lesson I learned about buying houses was buying my first house not listening to the building inspector, getting totally screwed with things that like broke a week after I bought it. And now, you know, we, we have, we have uh, another property. And I remember going through it with the inspector and I was like, give me reasons not to buy this. Like literally sell me out of this <laughs> transaction. You just, you learn, right? We are all capable of being rock stars. We're capable of being millionaires, right? Everyone that's watching this is capable of being a millionaire. You're not competent yet because you haven't tried it. Competency is built through repetition. Capability is what you're imbued with because your heart beats and your lungs breathe. Like as long as your heart is beating, you are capable. You, if watching this podcast or watching this, this interview, you don't have to be the person that you were when you turned this on. Everything that happened before this moment right now is like you 1.0. You 2.0 can start immediately anytime you decide. Like who we are today is, is, is a amalgamation. It's a collection of the decisions and the actions we've taken up until this very point. But the magic of that is that at any time, in any place, you can decide to take different actions and make different decisions and literally become a different person. So if you've had a tough life, a terrible life, bad things have happened to you, they happened. But that doesn't have to affect you anymore. And, and we get paralyzed in making these decisions because our brains are conditioned rather than to maximize gain, we're conditioned to avoid loss. So for a lot of people that see themselves as overweight, so my, my family, we lost my sister-in-law to addiction. And I've learned a lot about addiction over uh, the last couple of years. And one of the things is this very subtle but very important language. Not, you are an addict. You are dealing with addiction, right? And we won't get into, into the whys and the, and the politics of it. But the point is, if you identify as something 
by giving that up, by shedding that identity, you're losing. Even though that life as a non-addict or that life as a fit person or that life as a non-smoker is better, is healthy, it doesn't matter. Our brains are wired to avoid loss. So losing that identity of, I am a smoker. I can't quit, I'm a smoker. You're right. With that attitude, you'll never quit. And You know what, that's really, I really know what you're talking about because I, I, I have a lot of friends who are trying to lose weight and I always, we have these conversations and I say, you know, the minute you lose something, you try to find it again because you've lost it. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's about the language. People, I think people don't realize how important language is. Because if, if instead of saying, I'm trying to lose weight, or I'm trying to, to you know, stop, um, lose the smoking habit or whatever it is, it's simply, it's, it's the language. It's, I'm releasing it. I'm letting it go. I'm freeing myself. Mm-hmm. But it comes right down to it. It's, you're really, it's the same result, you hope, but the language is what your brain does with that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really bad. Human beings are really bad at making changes because of that. So a, a, a fun game that I like to play on stage is I'll bring someone up and I'll give them these dowels, these wooden rods, and then we'll take plates, like spinning plates. Have you ever seen like, you know, the clowns in the circus, how they spin plates on rods? And so one plate is your family responsibilities and another plate is your work responsibilities. And then we have one that they can put on their chin. That's all the extra stuff, right? They look real silly standing up there on stage. And then I take a beach ball and I say, this is a change that you've decided to make in your life. I throw it at him and I say, catch. And all the other stuff drops. We have so much going on. We have this whirlwind of activity. You've got jobs, familial responsibilities, friends, kids, bills, all this stuff that's going on. And so when we decide to make a change, we go, let's stay with fitness because we used that before. We go, well, goodness gracious, I'm going to get fit. So I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and I'm going to clear my kitchen cabinets out of all the food that I like to eat. And I'm going to throw out all the clothes that I don't want to fit into anymore. And I'm going to buy new clothes and I'm going to buy new food and I'm going to go to the gym. And after three weeks, when every single fiber of muscle in your body is killing you and the food that you bought is sitting there rotting because you don't like the taste of it, and the clothes are sitting there mocking you because you still don't fit in them yet, you go, oh, forget this, that's too much. And we go right back to where we were. So one of the things that I do through my coaching protocol and what I talk about in my keynotes is this concept of micro disruption, small, sustainable changes that just like compound interest, just like an investment account, just like a retirement account, right? That compound interest effect, I think they say it doubles every seven or eight years. You know, so you take $1,000 and through compound interest in seven or eight years, that should be $10,000. Yeah. Well, these small changes you make are barely noticeable. So our body, our, our ecosystem, the whirlwind doesn't revolt, but in a fiscal quarter, in a year, in 10 years, goodness gracious, the changes are incredible. And we often overestimate what we're able to accomplish in a defined period of time. Like, have you ever had this happen? You have to be somewhere in an hour and you go, oh yeah, cool, I got it. And then 35 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I'm already late, right? We're so bad at estimating time. So we overestimate what we're going to be able to do in in a year and six months, you know, whatever. And we totally underestimate what we can do in a decade. And some people wait until their 40th or 50th or 60th or 70th birthday and they turn around and go, golly, that sure went by fast and they're not happy with, you know, what's going on. And it's because we're really bad at change. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, right club nation. Just wanted to stop the podcast really quickly to introduce you to this week's sponsor, Dylan Suter of elevation realty. Dylan and his team have been a longtime supporter of the right club 
and now the Right Club Podcast. Dylan and his team have been personally helping me find a property in the Hamilton area, and I know for a fact he has helped many Right Club Nation members find their investment property. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much, Alfonso. Proud supporter and sponsor of not just the Right Club and Right Club Podcast, also of Jag Properties and everything you guys all do in your end. So thank you so much for having me on here. Myself, I'm an investor and an agent. I have a team of five that work with Keller Williams, all investors, and we service the Hamilton, Halton, and Niagara region, both for residential and investment-based properties. Just want to leave the podcast with a quick tip for the month. Tip of the month will be winter months bring opportunity to negotiate better prices and extremely favorable terms. If you want the best negotiator in your corner for investment properties or residential real estate, give us a call at 905-592-4220. You can check us out at all the Right Club events. Email us at info at elevationrealty.ca. Check us out online at elevationrealty.ca. And I look forward to speaking with you soon. Back to you, Alfonso. All right. And like Dylan said, if you haven't met him or anybody on his team, definitely check out the next Right Club event. They're there every event. Thank you so much for your support, Dylan. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. So as a per, an entrepreneur, what are some of the things that you recommend to the people whom you work with, you know, to help them make those, those micro changes, those micro disruptions? Like, what do you recommend to them? So I'm sitting in my office and I'm, I've got a, a list, oh, the to-do list, right? The never-ending to-do list, 100 items long, which I know I'll never get through today, much less in a week. What do you, what do you tell people to do? How do you, how do you handle that? Yeah. That's a great question, Laurel. And the to-do list is something that I think frustrates a lot of people, right? Um, my youngest sister uh, took a job as the executive director of a nonprofit here called Keep Philly Beautiful. And I remember maybe, you know, a few weeks in, she and I were sitting down. I said, how are you doing? She goes, well, it's a lot. I'm a little stressed. Let me see your to-do list. Like, show me what's going on. And she, she showed me her phone and she's like scrolling and scrolling. And I look at her, I go, you're, you're never going to do all that. And she goes, oh, I know. I go, no. You're never going to do it. We're going to delete it and we're going to start over because people have lots of stuff on their to-do list. I don't know if you remember, I did this like 10 minutes ago. I said, I have to do the things that I have to do, right? That's crap. You don't have to do anything. And for those of literally, and for those people that are just listening, that was the quotation marks. <laughs> yes. 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 So sorry. So, so that was air quotes, right? We uh, talking about the subtle shift in language, right? For a long time, I would have poo-pooed the idea of, Somebody says, well, you don't have to go to work. You get to go to work. Like, shut up. Nobody likes you. <laughs> Nobody likes people that say that. Shut up. Right? And to some extent, okay, right? We're not going to like this mind game. But what if we did? Like, what if we really bought into the idea that that mindset shift did matter? Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? I saw something the other day about, you know, the current state of our, of our world and the globe and the climate. And similar to Pascal's wager, the guy said, well, if we do all this climate change and global reform and this green new deal and everything goes and, and, and global warming isn't real, then we'll have needlessly made our planet cleaner. But if we don't do anything and it's real, we're all dead. So why not go for like needlessly clean? But tying it back, you can continue to say, I have to go to work and maybe nothing will happen. But if you did do the mindset shift, if you did do that subtle language tweak and you said, I get to go to work, what if it got better? And I mean, if it doesn't get better, then all you've done is change have to with get to. No big deal. But what if it is a big deal? And I'm, I'm here to tell you it is a big deal. What if it is a big deal? There are all these other mindset shifts. So Laurel, to answer your question directly, we have stuff on our to-do list that we think we have to do. And it, there's no assignment of why it's on there. So a good example would be, can I, can I use you as an example? Can we kind of do this like real time? Can we have a little fun? Sure. All right. So 
give me like the first three or four things on your to-do list, if you don't mind. Just like tell me what, what they are. I'm guessing um, something okay, to do with the white club um, at some point. <laughs> you're wrong, boy. You're right. <laughs> okay. Review contract for uh, review contract. Review contract. Uh, yeah, that's enough. Review emails. Look at insurance policies. I feel like it's all right Hire club right person. now. I, I feel um, like exactly right. I know what you're referring to. <laughs> okay. Um, this is Okay, so that's is that enough? So, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so you have to review the contract. Why? Well, I have to, you know. Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Um, because no one else is reviewing it. Because if we, if I don't review the contract, we could end up signing something that is that we don't agree with, and then we're we're caught up in a contract that we we don't want. Okay. So, what will happen when you do review the contract? What's the benefit to you of reviewing it? Uh, the benefit is that we have a, an agreement with a with a company that they will they will do what they say they'll do, and we agree to all the terms. I mean, that's the benefit. We'll get what we want from the company that that we're signing the contract with. Okay, so you'll get what you want, and and does that equate to something that's profitable? Does that equate? Get, there, there's there's more there. We're almost there, but what's what's the why? <laughs> why why do you want to get what you want? What does that do for you? that helps move our our club forward and it, okay. it, it launches us into a, an, another level of of engagement with our members okay and so what will happen when you get there why do you, why do you... we will have we will have a, a bigger club we will bring in more revenue we will reach more people we as as founders will be and and i'm well i'm not going to qualify i'll just say we're, we're going to be happier because we can affect more people because we, we want to, to give, we'll be able to give more value to people because that's what we want to do. Give more okay. value to more people. And that's important okay. to us. Okay. So the why there would be impact and income. I want to review the yes. contract because it allows me to have a bigger impact and it allows me to create a bigger income. Yes. Well, now it doesn't feel like such a pain in the butt to review that contract. But if yeah. I just saw a review contract on there, I'm like, oh, why? Why do I have to do that? Similarly, review emails. Now, there's a couple of strategies with review emails because a lot of salespeople do this. They'll say phone calls. They'll say prospecting, right? Get specific so we can get specific and bucket this because some of those emails are going to allow you to create impact and income. Some of those emails are just administrative nonsense, right? And some of those emails are probably just going to be delete. So yes. what you can do, what anyone can do with their to-do list is go down and chunk it into a why, right? And generally, we have buckets like prospecting, to create sales, to create income, to grow my business. And so try to get to that ultimate why of what doing it allows you to do. And then by chunking it into those bigger buckets, prioritize what on your to-do list gets done first, right? So remember back to that question, what action can I make or what decision can I make? What action can I take to create the greatest net value right now? Or what's the one thing I could do that would change everything? Mm -hmm. If you pare your to-do list down from the 30 entries that you have there, into three or four buckets, categories of things to do. And then you can look at that categorically and say, which category allows me to make the biggest impact in my day, my business, myself, whatever, right now, and then start there. That makes it a bit more manageable. Another good tip to add on to that is, Laurel, if you're like me, you, you sometimes push things, right? From one to-do list, you create a new one and you move stuff over and you add to it. Of course. Yeah. If you do, yeah, if you do, sometimes you look at it and you're like, oh, God, this has been on my to-do list for six months. I don't care. 
And a good strategy is to put a little check mark or a dot next to each item when you carry it over. And if that item has three dots next to it, just get rid of it because it's not important. If you've carried it over three times, just knock it off the to-do list for good. And, and if it does need to get done, it'll pop back up. But what you're doing, the gift that you're giving yourself is eliminating the stress and the guilt that comes with knowing you've broken promises internally, right? And I'm, I'm one of the worst offenders of this. My to-do list used to be a mess to the point where I stopped doing one because all I felt was bad. I felt guilty when I looked at it. So I was like, I'm not going to do half of this. I don't even want to do any of it. I don't know why I have to do it. And there's a lot of people out there that I'm sure feel that way. And one of the strategies they can do to alleviate that is the check marks or the dots next to the item. So we don't have to go through the whole thing, but does that seem like a system that... Yeah, and it's good. And, and to your point about uh, the dots and, and, and looking at your list, we had a, an, a previous uh, a podcast guest on who was a, a, a business, uh, she specializes in positive psychology and procrastination. And she was saying that you have to understand that there's a difference between procrastination and having a preference, like deciding not to do something. She said procrastination is about there's an underlying reason and you keep asking so what so what so what until you get to the end of it and you realize well it's really not that big a deal at anyway mm -hmm. like either make a decision whatever it is either do it don't do it get somebody else to do it delegate it whatever you want but it comes down to just assessing what you're doing just like you're saying assess it if you don't want to do it don't do it if you have to oh, sorry if you have if it must be done okay i'm going to say it that way if it must be done then and you don't want to do it because that's a choice then get someone else to do it yeah and that's a beautiful that's a beautiful beautiful point laurel is that there are lots of things that must be done but you don't necessarily have to be the person to do it that's another thing to, to really get comfortable with as an yeah, entrepreneur absolutely. i'm a big proponent of delegating i delegate what i can actually since that last podcast i hired a personal assistant to do all of my office stuff and my paperwork because that was a big thing that i have issues with <laughs> So, and I sent the final mm -hmm. numbers to, to uh, my accountant that he needed. So I got that done, but I really like your three points and then your three dots. Cause if I'm carrying stuff over and I, I don't delegate it and there's three dots on it, maybe I should just scrap it. It's not super important. So lots of yeah. great tips. I mean, you know, we could keep talking and talking and talking about all of these things and, you know, we'll have to have you on at some point again to just keep giving us these awesome pointers because you know, we're all entrepreneurs. I think a lot of the listeners of Right Club Nation are listening to this and saying, that's me, or hey, that's a great tip, and I can definitely use that. And ultimately, I mean, that, that's what you're doing, right? You're helping people to, entrepreneurs, to just facilitate and make their lives easier and really just go after what they truly want and find their why. And I think that's, that's, that's awesome. And just to see the progression from, you know, 10 years ago to, to what you're accomplishing today and how many people you're helping is just, uh, it's unreal. So congratulations for, uh, for all your success. So Thank you. the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So Laurel and I will take turns asking you questions. There's four questions. And okay. You are going okay. to give us the first answer that comes to mind. You ready? All right. All right, I'm ready. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a quick moment here it is Sarah Larby and I'm here with Laurel Simmons and we have some really exciting news for you. And we heard you, we heard your emails and we are going to be bringing you Right Club Nation online, coast to coast, accessible at any time of day 
and you can be in your pajamas like I am right now and you can access our great content. And what is going to be that content, Laurel? Well, we have videos, recordings of live events that we've held. We have webinars. We have, we'll have our podcast information up there. We'll have uh, forums and chat groups and all kinds of things. You'll even be able to find services and products that you need in your neighborhood, local for you, because we know how important it is that you have your local team with you. We're going to be rolling things out very quickly. And as we start, you'll see more and more stuff come along and we really want you to join and become part of our online community. Absolutely. This is the first, and in my opinion, it was going to be the best Canadian online community of real estate investors and like-minded individuals. So guys, come and grow with us, join our online community, register, and come and say hi and check out the amazing things. Yeah. And all you have to do is go to therightclub.com and you'll find us there. It's easy to register. It's free and hop on. We can't wait to see you there. Guys, come and grow with us. And now back to the show. All right. So question number one, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? Oh, make breakfast and go to the gym. Okay. All right. Good. So number two, what's your favorite nonfiction or business book? Ooh. (laughs) As a Man Thinketh by James Joyce is, is that James Joyce? Yeah. As a Man Thinketh is, is one of my favorites. You said business book, right? Nonfiction, right? Yeah. 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 As as a man thinks. Question number three, what is one thing that you cannot leave your house without? My glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Okay, that's good. No, I think the other would be the other would be this water bottle. I've become known in a lot of circles as like Mr. Hydration. It's just a, a part of one of the things you learn about your voice is that we generally don't hydrate enough. And so I bring this everywhere. Restaurants, I mean, my wife will tell you, like, you know, we go to a nice restaurant. I still have this with me. I'm like asking them to fill it up. I'm a crazy man. But I have people that come up to me at events and at conferences and they're like, hey, I drink a lot of water now because of you and I got a water bottle. And I'm like, cool. So <laughs> this, I, you always see me with a water bottle. Awesome. Okay, and the last question then, who do you go to for advice on uh, running your business and why? Mm. Well, I have a coach. One of the first things I did, it's actually the first big expense that I took on when I started this business because I knew I needed one, quite frankly. So I go to her. Her name is Donna St. Louis. She is absolutely phenomenal. She's a speaker as well. So I was very intentional in selecting her. There are a lot of other good people that I've met um, throughout my network. And I've, I've really been intentional about curating a circle of uh, friends who, I'm going to say this the right way, so I'm not super intentional about who my friends are. I'll be friends with anyone. But I've created this group of friends whom I go to when I have a specific issue. And I think as entrepreneurs, it's really critical that we don't surround ourselves with people that are going to give us the answers we want. I actually think like when a problem happens, who, who should I call? And whoever the first person is that pops to mind, I ask myself, are they going to tell me what I want? Or are they going to tell me something different? And I'll generally try to go for the person that I think is going to totally disagree with my point of view. Like I have a friend, his name is John. He's just total polar opposite of anything motivational, inspirational, self-development stuff. I go to him with business ideas. And if he is even somewhat like, yeah, maybe that's cool. I know I've got a great idea, right? I know. (laughs) Nice. All right. That's a great answer. So, so Greg, if our Red Club Nation, our listeners wanted to reach out or know more about you, where can they go? 
Yeah, they can go to my website. Uh, it's gregoryoffner.com. The top left-hand corner of the screen, uh, it says talk something like talk with Gregory or book a phone call. They can schedule a you know, phone call with me. They can reach out by email. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, who isn't nowadays? YouTube. If you search me on YouTube, you'll probably find some fun piano bar videos in addition to the motivational stuff too. So I think I'm a pretty accessible guy. <laughs> awesome. All right. So usually what we do is we, our last final question of usually the podcast is we ask for, you know, your final last piece of advice. But since I see a piano right behind you, do you mind like, just playing like 60 seconds of something for us? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let me, uh, so, so here's what I'll do. I'm going to take the head, the earbuds out. I think that might come across well. Okay. I remember going to this dueling pianos bar years ago with you and I was so impressed. So <laughs> anything you want to play, I think it'll be awesome. All right. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. <laughs> great job. Great job. And guys, if you want to hear more, check out YouTube, check out all the great videos. On that note, Greg, thank you so much. It was great to catch up after so much time. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, this is such yes, a you. treat. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. And uh, man, this is awesome. Thanks. Bye. So, Sarah. Like he really delivered, didn't he? Like that was really cool to listen to his tips and uh, how you deal with the to-do list and how you, how you change your mindset. I thought that was really interesting. Don't go big, go small. Like little tiny steps, little tiny changes. Yes, and done is better. I love that line. I'm going to start yeah. using it. Done is better. I truly believe in that. I've never been a perfectionist, but... Sometimes you just stall on things and I get it. I get it because you want it to be great or you want it to be that extra, you know, piece of, I don't know, I want to say perfection, but you know, if you, that's you, if you're, if you're stalling on buying your first investment properly, I mean, at the end of the day, take some action, right? We're a big, big proponent of that. Take action, obviously buy the right deal. And if you're not too sure what you're doing yet, work with a coach, work with a mentor. But if you've researched and researched and researched and you know so much and you've come out to a lot of events and you're, you're comfortable, I mean, ultimately you're going to keep learning by doing, and that's where you're really going to learn. So I like that done is better yeah. part. Done is better. And, and goodness knows I'm a perfectionist. I freely admit it. I'm constantly fighting with myself about perfection, about, be, about being perfect and about perfectionism. And over the years, I slowly changed some of my attitude about that. Again, though, it gets down to like, who do you have to help you to do that? Because if you delegate it and they, that person does something for you, right, then you're, you're happy with it because they've done it. And I bet, I would bet that most people who delegate a task to someone else are perfectly happy with the fact that it's, quote, done, right, rather than being the best it could be. So that's a really cool way to think of it. Now, now that I think of it, I'm going to do that even more because delegated and done is better. 
Yeah, absolutely. So just like this podcast, this podcast, when I first started podcasting and I had to do my own editing, it took me like four to six hours per episode to fix up Then I had to do the show notes. Like it was a lot of work. And then we got Jim, AKA Irwin, who is our virtual assistant editing these podcasts. And that is awesome. It's delegation. And then you know what? They're not perfect. I don't think I sound perfect. Sometimes I have a little bit of an echo. There's nothing that Jim's doing that, you know, to, there's, it's, it's not his fault. It's just sometimes I'm in rooms that have more echo, but you know, ultimately my goal is to be able to help and share what we know. And so sorry that the sound doesn't sound perfect, but it's, to me, it's good enough. <laughs> it's good enough. Done is better, right? Yeah. At the end, we just, we want to give value to our listeners and so they can learn and, and, uh, and you know what, personally, I just, I just like doing the podcast because you and I probably learn as much or more than the listeners because we get to interact directly with the, I know. I know. Aren't we so lucky? I love it. It's just, it's just great. And we're building some great connections where, you know, and it's fun to be on the show with you as well. And to get to know you Laurel better as well off of our regular six hour red club meetings or <laughs> to be, you know, to interview together. It's pretty fun. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, let us know if you feel like you have two minutes that you can offer a rating and a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. We'd really appreciate that. And also, if you have not come out to the Right Club yet, we have a regular monthly evening event that you can come for free for your first time out. So send us an email and uh, let us know that you are interested in attending. It's in Burlington at the Holiday Inn. They always start at seven o'clock, but sometimes there's like 300 people there. I think we're getting 300 people this next one. So guys, register early and come at six o'clock because this, the later you come, you know, if it's like 645, you're probably going to be waiting in a longer line. So on that note, Laurel, thank you so much for being my co-host and my partner in this podcast segment and, uh, you know, right club nation have a, have a great rest of the week and come grow with us. Yeah. Come grow with us. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.